Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Skyway's team of former CEOs and industry pros will make you more prepared, more competitive, and more effective in the government market. Visit skywaymember.com to learn more. Today, we cover the details of one of the execution time zones, the recompete zone. Let's get started. One of the unique things about the government acquisition world is that you, your work isn't always your work. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate if, <laughs> if you're used to winning contract or getting a customer and keeping them forever, it's going to feel unfortunate, but it's, it's a different model because they have to either compete the work or justify why they're not. So that's why we're talking today about the recompete zone. Let me set this up. We, we've talked a lot about the acquisition time zones. That's uh, before contract award. After contract award, we go into the execution time zones. We have an overview episode for the acquisition time zones and individual episodes for each one. We also have an overview of the execution time zones and individual episodes for each one. This is the recompete zone, which is the third of the four execution time zones. Before we get into that, let's say thanks. Absolutely. So this week we have an iTunes review from Brooklyn Marine 991. And part of the review says, I thoroughly enjoy the topics presented and have used many of the topics covered in my contract decisions. Yeah, Brooklyn Marine cool. 991 is a uh, CEO or a, or a contract specialist. Yeah, and it really fires me up to know that people are using this stuff every day. Kind of yep. cool. Yep. Thank you for the five-star review. Absolutely. All right, let me recap real quick. Acquisition time zones in order are the requirements zone, the market research zone, the RFP zone, and the source selection zone. The execution time zones after award in order are the honeymoon zone, the performance zone, the recompete zone, ding, ding, what we're talking about today, and then the wrap-up zone. So when does the recompete zone start? So we're through the honeymoon zone, which is, hey, we won the contract, we're off and running, and the performance zone, which is the bulk of the work. That's the longest zone in the execution zones. And now the end of the contract is in sight. If it's a five-year service contract, this could be the last year. If it's an option contract, this could be when the last option is exercised. It just depends on the length of the contract, but the end of the contract is near. Regardless of the time period of the contract, we have to recompete it. Now, in reality, the line between the performance zone and the recompete zone is very blurry. And we'll get into the whys of that as we talk today. Also, I want to mention, in the acquisition time zone world, the recompete zone, it, it sort of parallels the market research and the RFP zones. You know, it's, we, we talk about acquisition time zones being pre-acquisition and execution zones being post-award. But if you're not the incumbent, you got to think of it as when the government starts looking to recompete something, to you, it's just competing something. And to you, that's the beginning. You're seeing that as the beginning of the market research and the RFP zones. The incumbent also has to think of it that way. Their work is being recompeted, and there's market research and RFP stuff going on. Yeah, and, and to get a visual of this, if you're a Skyway community member, we have in the, the slides for this, it's a cheese wheel basically that shows the eight zones and how they overlap with each other. Right. How they, they off, I guess they parallel is the word to use. All right, let's get into the recompete zone. 
first thing we should say is if your contract is not for a recurring need, there is no recompete zone. It does not apply here. There is nothing to be recompeted. If you have a one and done contract, you can skip this. Yeah, if the government needed to build one building, and once the building's done, there's no recompete. <laughs> but when this starts, so the book going back to the, I'll, I'll do the book answer and you can do the real answer. The, the book <laughs> answer is is this is uh, like when the, the draft RFI comes out or when the draft RFP starts to be pending or when the world understands that this is going to be recompeted. That's that's the book answer is when the government raises their hand and says, okay, here's a piece of paper that says we're going to recompete this. But the real answer is is the recompete zone starts on day one of performance of the contract. If if you win a contract, you're recompeting from the first day you show up at the job. How you get into the work and how you get started, how you perform the entire time is judged, and it's used to inform how the government goes about this recompete. And if you happen to, to have lost the competition, it's it's day one of the recompete zone for you too. You're already thinking about how you're going to win next time. How did the company that beat you beat you, and what can you do to win the next award? The recompete zone ends when the new contract that was recompeted is awarded. And that's mostly true all the time. Mostly true all the time. That's <laughs> a weird way to say it. <laughs> there are cases where a contract ends and there's a gap before a new one starts. In that case, the recompete zone for you has ended when your contract ends and there's a source selection zone going on on the acquisition time zone side. Or, or there may be a or there may be a transition phase where both contractors are working. One of them is on their way out and one of them is on the way right, in. So right, right. Yeah, but that's a whole other topic. The recompete zone, it's, it's, it, it is blurry. It's, it's not a specific length because like we were talking about, the beginning is sort of a soft, squishy kind of thing or it's the entire performance period kind of it you know not not full in recompete but but you are proving yourself as you're performing i think the way, the way to say it is it builds intensity over time hey i like that so the the closer you get to this contract expiring the more everybody's getting more aware of it whether it's whether you lost the last one you're trying to get back in you're the incumbent you're trying to keep it or you're the government team trying to recompete it it's like everybody's feeling this momentum build it's like uh you know it's a compounding interest kind of feel to it so in, in this context of the momentum building, that moment that momentum may start building a year ahead of time, a couple of years ahead of time. It depends on the size of the contract, the complexity. So some of them, it, it may start two years out. If it's a large, multiple award, complex service contract or, or has lots of moving parts they're trying to squish together from five different contracts and turn it into one, that momentum may start sooner. It, the bigger the contract the sooner that momentum is going to be apparent to everybody. Yeah, and even if it's not a, a complex bundling thing, even if it really is just a recompete of the same kind of work, I know my company's been waiting for an RFP to come out for literally years as the government tries to come up with a fair way to recompete. The incumbent's been at it for a long time. They've released drafts before. They've had conferences before and talked to industry, and each time industry says – that's not really a fair competition you're putting out there. The only people that can win that is the incumbent. And so, yeah, for, for that one, it's there's a lot of momentum and it continues to build. It continues to be. And if you're the incumbent, the more confusing that it, they make it, the better it is for them because they keep getting extended on the current work because the need is there. So I think they're probably pretty happy with the delays while the rest of industry is wondering what's going on. 
So everybody knows that there is a recompete coming. And it really sucks to be that incumbent and know that your work that you've done for a long, long time is going to be recompeted. It's your work. If you're on the other side, you're thinking, hey, the rules say that you can't do soul source forever, right? You got you to gotta have a reason. There's plenty of other people that can do the work. It's time to recompete it. And if you're the government, you, you also know it's coming. Even if you like the incumbent, if you like your current performer, you may still have to recompete it. But you may not like them. You may be thinking, oh, thank God, we can get somebody else in here, right? Yeah, and, and this this zone is ripe with issues for the incumbent potentially being privy to inside, we'll call it inside information. It's not an unfair competitive advantage. They're the incumbent. They have a competitive advantage. But it still can be difficult to run a fair competition because of that because you have all of these different parts. You have those four examples you just laid out. You have the people who won who are happy and want to keep it, people who lost and are not happy want to win it. You have the government folks who want a new contractor and the government folks who don't want a new contractor. All four of those people <laughs> are all trying to figure out, how do we make this fair? And so hence the reason it can be really complicated. Yeah, and it's hard to level the playing field when someone has a real competitive advantage. It's hard to, hard to make it so that someone else can win because you can't unfairly disadvantage the incumbent either. Yeah, you, you can't use technical leveling and say, hey, this is what the company does. If you did it this way, then you'd be able to win. Yeah, that's not cool. So the recompete zone can be very complicated because the people involved, the players, are kind of dual-hatted, dual-purposed here. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you're the incumbent and a recompete is going on, you have to work on the pre-proposal you have to work on shaping. You have to work on writing a proposal while you're still performing on your current job. And you can't mess it up because the same government people that you're dealing with with your current contract are probably involved in the source selection and in the RFP. And if they're mad at you, that's going to flow into their evaluation. You can't avoid that. And there, what I just said, those same government people who are trying to run the current program, they're probably involved in the source selection. They're probably having to do the market research and write the RFP and do the source selection while managing the contract. So the competitors in this case are the only ones that are cleanly just doing one job, and that's trying to win the work. The incumbent and the government sides, they can get really distracted because now they're doing two jobs at once. And, and they also have the competitor who has extra time to ask more questions. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, you, the, the way you explain it is, is, is really helpful for people to understand that it, it can be very time consuming. And this is why source selections take so long, because it's usually you're literally doing it feels like two jobs and you have to make sure you don't cross the beams and say, OK, something that's happening in the performance of this contract. We want to make sure that that doesn't just easily slide over into the competition because it might not belong there. And the government, you know, they're still trying to perform a mission. So they're trying to not be distracted from delivering on their commitments to the mission. At the same time, they're trying to recompete and, and continue that mission. And so a great example of this is Navy SEAL is getting, an equip getting equipment through a contract that we won five years ago. That Navy SEAL loves the product. He's, he's a Navy SEAL. He's busy doing stuff. It's nothing to do with contracts. All of a sudden, out of the blue, here comes a letter from this geek contracting officer, me, who said, <laughs> Hey, by the way, I need your input on the requirement. I want to make sure that we get a good documentation of 
what you liked about this product, what you didn't use, et cetera, so we can, can start the new competition. And he's like, no, I don't want anything different. I yeah, like I'm motivated. I want more yeah. of these. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't want to change. I got, I'm busy doing stuff. So right there, you see how clearly that the whole challenge of he's now dual-headed in a role that he didn't sign up for. <laughs> that's, that's why this isn't easy. Yeah. On the industry side, your friends, the capture manager and the proposal manager are back. These these people haven't haven't been involved in the program until this recompete zone kicks up. If you're the incumbent, you're 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 adding people into it just to to track the new competition. If you're not the incumbent, then then it's 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 just another proposal. You're not in that weird dual hatted mode. And as a contracting officer, this is why. All of a sudden, people you've never met from this company are now starting to talk to you. Let's say the incumbent, right? You've been talking to you know, company X. And all of a sudden, you have these new folks who are, who are asking questions and maybe, maybe, coming, maybe even showing up at, at, at quarterly meetings that you've been having with this contract for the last four years. They're, they're privy to this information, but they're using it as part of their capture strategy. They, this is not an unfair thing. This is them taking advantage of the fact that they had this contract. They need to learn about it. So they can help make sure that they put a team together to win it again. Yeah. And if, you, if this is a new contract for you, you didn't see them before. You didn't see them last time. <laughs> when we did this. You didn't see them in the acquisition time zones. It could have been three years ago. And I've had that awkward feeling where, where I'm like, who, who, who are these people? Why are they here? <laughs> and you figure out, oh, yeah, it's their job to rewin the work. That's why they're here. Let's focus on why this is so important. I think we've hit a lot of these points. But recompetition is the standard in the government acquisition world. A sole source can't be forever. So what I mean by that is with enough time and money, the government could develop other sources for anything. Now, sometimes these sole source situations, it can seem like forever. It could be decades. Think about building an <laughs> F-35, right? You, you might develop and build an F-35 for decades. That program might go on. And there might not be a recompete for an F-35 ever. But there's a recompete for the next fighter or or probably unmanned fighting aircraft at this point. That's very true. Right. But your performance, it, your performance in that current building the F-35 is going to impact that next competition, even if it's not technically a recompete. All right. That was, that was probably a little off point. No, that's why it's important. And this is the best time to use lessons learned from last time and from both sides, from industry. And this is why I'm a big fan of RFIs, a big fan of, of having open communication is that this zone is where everybody should be really kind of saying, okay, this didn't work. Let's not do this. This should not be a cost type contract again. You know, that, that conversation should be yeah. happening frankly and openly. And the, yeah. remember that incentive plan that we wrote, <laughs> man, right. that was a disaster. Let's not that do that a, again. Oh, that big nuisance. And so you know, this is the best time for that. And I, I foot stomp that because the concept of having a conversation with the incumbent, you think that you're giving them an unfair advantage by giving them the, the chance to have this open audience with you, but you're making the best con the next contract better. Yeah. You're making, you're making the competition better by, by getting their perspective on like, yeah, this award fee plan. Yeah. It was it, okay. Fine. It worked, but it was a lot of work for us. And so Honestly, we'd just rather be able to do it at the firm fixed price and just have a higher fee. So have that frank conversation. And the thing is, the best person to have that conversation with you is the incumbent. Yep. Yep, I agree. Don't forget that depending on the amount of time that has passed since this 
last contract was awarded, the market, the industry, the technology, the requirement, all these things may have changed. And this is where if you are the incumbent, you could catch a case of incumbentitis. What I mean by that is – We make up words. You may – not be aware of all these changes because you're happily chugging along doing what you do, and that's you think that's what the government wants. But all of your competitors are tracking the changes in the market and technologies. Don't get too complacent if you're the incumbent. Specifically, let's talk about the government. Why does the government care about the recompete zone, Kevin? Well, the more you learn during this zone, the smoother the acquisition will go, the next one. Yeah, that's the stuff you were just talking about, right? Let me give you some specific examples. It's a great turn to learn things like, was this the right contract type for for everybody involved? And and you're going to get debate over that because every decision divides, right? So some people will say, hey, this was great. It's firm fixed price. And some people it won't. But that hence the decision part of this job. But does the contract need to be bigger or does it need to be smaller? Should it have been a small business set aside? Did we get enough competition? Did we get 50 proposals or did we get two? Do we want to, you know, um, so do we want more competition by opening up different options and, and maybe making it full and open, or do we want less? And what I mean by that is it streamline and say, okay, last time we did this as full and open, we could do this as an eight day set aside, well, an eight day set aside competition. So there's all of those things you can learn during this zone. And it, it's very easy to go, Hey, copy paste from last time. And I encourage and <laughs> stress the importance of if you take an hour to think about what worked and what didn't work, your next performance is going to be better. <laughs> and if you and take then, more than an hour, yeah. It'd be exponentially better. Right. And, and, of course, the last piece of this is that you know, what do we learn about the performance? And this is the part where the government needs to be a little bit candid about is this – the company that won this contract, do we want more companies just like them? Because they're out there, right? right? Or do we say, you know what? They, they performed well, but they would have done better if they had a partner that did X, right? You learn from that and ask your customer and, and ask all the people that touch the contract. If you just copy and paste, you're going to get the same thing. And that might be what you wanted. But like you just talked about, things change, technology changes, industry changes. We can't assume that this is a copy and paste. Yeah, that's, that's an important point. And I, I want to I tell government people straight up. Communicate your intentions. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Industry is looking for cues right now to whether or not you're going to run a legitimate competition. And that might sound mean, but you know, if you want the incumbent back, industry can see that you're just going through the motions and you really don't want to recompete. You don't want anybody else to have it. And you write an RFP that's slanted towards the incumbent. If you don't want the incumbent back, if you want new blood in there, you need to make it clearer to industry. And they, they can pick up the little cues in the RFP of whether or not this is this is a really a competition or it's just something that you have to do because the FAR says so. So I've sort of moved on to talking about industry. Let's talk about why industry cares about the recompete zone. Well, in most cases, everyone plans to keep the work they have. So recompeting is not something they want to do. They would just industry would rather have a sole source contract forever. They don't care that the FAR says you have to recompete. And, and as we mentioned, performance matters a lot. So at this point, industry cares because like, what, what's in your CPARs? How is your relationship with your customer? 
if you haven't been focusing on this since day one of performance, it might be too late to jump and go, oh, the RFP came out. We should probably you know, make right. them like us again. Right. So you've been moving along on a five-year contract for four years, and you've kind of been doing crappy, and now you decide, oh, they're going to recompete. I need to do good, but it might be too late to change the customers, the government's impressions of you. I'll jump on that to say that it might not even be that you're being crappy. It is if you were mailing it in. <laughs> you're just, you're just, okay, we're, we're, we met the standard. Yeah. Okay, but that that does not give you an advantage. The idea of being an incumbent is you should have them like you so much that you have an inherent advantage. If it's if you just met the motions, if they were just buying a commodity from you that they could just as soon flip the switch and buy from somebody else, you kind of lost that opportunity. And you can't make that up in the last. You can't make that up during the recompete zone. Right. The recompete zone is your chance if you're the incumbent to really shape this future acquisition so that you have the best chance to keep the work. Now, you should have been doing it all along during performance, but as the recompete zone kicks in for real, as they're releasing RFIs and draft RFPs, you can really shape how that eventual RFP and competition plays out. And the reason is you have an advantage for collecting information about it. You have people that are doing the job and talking to the customers all the time. They're on the ground, right? That's the best place to get information. And it's important to point out here that this is something I didn't see when I was a contracting officer, is that the incumbent's perspective might seem jaded or to their advantage because they're saying, oh, this takes 16 hours to do and you think it takes two. But somewhere in between those is the truth because they've been doing it. And the reason I say this is that there are things that I thought were easy for them. And then during when I read their proposal during the recompetition, I'm like, holy crap, that was a lot of work. So an example is all of the things that make our website run smoothly. To me, it looks easy, right? But then I talk to our IT guy once in a while and like some of the things he's had to do, I'm like, oh crap, I didn't know you were doing that. And so imagine that's happening on your contract. So when the incumbent says, yeah, this is a, this is a difficult task. This part was difficult. Don't assume that they're doing that just because they want to get a competitive advantage and they want to you know, upsell how hard they worked. It could be that Talk to somebody in your office, talk to someone on the government side and say, does this make sense? I missed some of that stuff when I was a contracting officer because there are things that were happening to deliver products and services to me that I didn't realize how hard they were. And then when they come in and said, hey, this is really hard, I had no context. So there's a communication that I probably should have done more of. Right. The incumbent knows this stuff. What about, what about the challengers? What about the new guys coming in? They're looking to figure it out, right? <laughs> they're, they're really desperate for the information, hence all the calls to the contracting officer. And this concept of unfair competitive advantage, it, it's, it's, it's thorny because the incumbent's trying to capitalize on it. And, but then every single advantage that the incumbent has, the challengers are going to think, oh, that's not fair because it feels not fair because it's not them, right? Yep. The government team is trying to make sure that they're not going to get a protest by tipping off or or slanting it too far towards the incumbent. And the incumbent is doing the exact opposite, right? If you're in the industry side, you're trying to capitalize on those advantages that you have and get as many of them built into the the evaluation criteria so that there's no way anyone can unseat you. Sounds easy. Yeah, and this is where sometimes incumbents get incumbent-itis, and that's where – a recompete is lost because the incumbent doesn't recognize these changes in customer needs or technologies or trends like I was talking about before. And an incumbent, they just get lazy about it and may not put as much effort into this as their eager competitors 
are doing. And we'll, we'll have to talk about incumbentitis in, in detail some other time. Yeah, it's a really good topic that we can – I have about 10 different analogies in my head that we'll save for another episode. All right, let's wrap this up, Kevin. What are your takeaways on the recompete zone? The first one is that to me the recompete zone is, is – it's a different animal from the commercial market. As soon as you've won the contract, you're going to be planning to how you're going to recompete, right? Well, in the commercial market, you don't have to focus so much on recompeting so much as keeping. Right. Now, the funny thing is the analogy here is that that's called customer service. You have customer service because you want to keep the work you have. Right, and if well, you if you do it well, they're never going to recompete. They won't have a reason to even think about switching. Right. So that customer service is a good thing to do anyway, but even with customer service, you still have to rewin your work, and that's, that's different. <laughs> Uh, my recommendation on the government side is that start earlier. Uh, it, I know that, that that's easy to say and hard to do, yeah. but if you have this attitude of, okay, the sooner we start communicating, even even just having a conversation about what's working well on this contract at the end of every option year or halfway through or something, but be open about the fact that we all know this is going to be recompeted. It's it's not it's not the big pink elephant in the room. It's like we know this is going to happen. So let's let's be aware of it and talk about it and embrace the fact that Let's do it well, as opposed to just going, oh, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> I used to do once in a while until I learned better. So, uh, My recommendation for industry is, is in, invest in great contract performance or contract management. Is manage this contract well so that you're ahead of this. Because when the, the recompete zone shows up, you need momentum. That momentum that's building, it should be, you should be already in it. As opposed to, like we just talked about a couple of times, is, is you can't wait till the end, right? And so think of performance as the gateway to the next sale, or in this case, to win the next contract. So invest your time in doing it well. That's probably the, the biggest takeaway that I think that uh, the industry side could pick up. How about you? I got two big points for the, the takeaways here. One is a reminder that if if you are the winner, the recompete starts on day one of contract award. Everything you do is leading to the government's decision on how they play out the recompete. Now, it's also true if you were a loser, but not with quite the same intensity. On, on day one of contract award, you're not being judged like the winner is. But it's time to think about why you, why you lost. It's time to start preparing for how you would beat the person that, that currently has the work. And the second thing I want to point out is this is, this is a targeting exercise. If the incumbent is entrenched and the customer is sending really clear signals that they don't want to change, you really need to think hard about whether you want to spend your time and money bidding on this effort. It can be very painful to make this kind of decision. But remember that unseating the incumbent, if the government wants them, it's going to take a lot of time and hard work to build a case for how you should replace them. You can't just say, hey, look, an RFP came out. The incumbent's been in there for a long time. We're going to take this work from them. No, that's <laughs> not the way it works. You're going to have to put in a lot of effort to get to that point. And, and my, my, I like this point because if you're the government team and you're sending those signals that this is an entrenched competitor, two things are going to happen. Companies are going to walk away because they're just not going to bother, yep. or they're going to protest. You don't want either of those things to happen. Be careful that you're not making it unintentional drive for a, a company to appear to be an entrenched uh, incumbent. And that's as much art as it is science. But understanding it from the industry perspective helps a lot. 
All right, let's end it there, Kevin. Talk to you All right, later. It's a good one. See ya. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. If you're a Skyway community member, you can join us on the new members-only group on LinkedIn. If you're not a member yet, visit skywaymember.com to find out how to be more prepared, more competitive, and more effective in the government market. Our topics for the podcast are listener-driven, so if you have a topic idea or a question, comment, or complain about the podcast, send me a note at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. 